0: Next.
1: Yeah, who Welcome to the climb This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. You're going to need some weight. You're going to need a heavy hammer at the table. You're going to need them to want you more than you want them. That's why this podcast exists, because we want you to win. And that's why we called it The Climb. It's an acronym that stands for Creating Leverage in the Music Business, C-L-I-M-B, which is brilliant. Let me introduce you to my uh, co-host, Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent also helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find him at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com.
2: And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns a Daredevil production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves so you can get paid. Boom. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andrew Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, with no S. And there is no S because there is no other Johnny D.
1: What's, What's up, man? brother?
2: How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing all right. Any better? I'd, I don't know. Anybody, the other side of the moon. It'd be illegal. <laughs> exactly. My, Any better, my wife would get suspicious.
1: Right on. Well, once again, guys, thanks for uh, sharing. Um, we just continue to to blow the numbers away. Uh, I had another record month. <coughs> We're well over 60,000 downloads and climbing now, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm because in. y'all are finding some value in it, and y'all are telling people about it. Spread that around. And mm-hmm. uh, please leave a rating and review. That helps us look more legit. For new people who coming in, maybe want to see uh, if if this is for real or not. And if man, if you're honestly and 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 wholeheartedly finding value in this, then tell some people about it. I'll make you look cool and leave a rating or review so other people can find out as well, right? Here we go. <clears throat> so um, that said, one more final quick announcement is, uh, is if you would like to be a part of the or like your social media accounts to be a part of the social tune up that we're going to start implementing here in the very near future, then send me your links to your name and your links and put social media tune-up in all capital letters in the subject line and email that to info at daredevilproduction.com. Once again, production is singular. There is no S, info at daredevilproduction.com. And I'll take a look at your social media accounts and the content that you're putting on there. And in a quick little five-minute thing, we'll we'll kind of talk about... um, Different thing. Like if you were my artist, the advice I would give to you on, on how to make that happen. So all your social media, your YouTube <coughs> channel, if you have that, and your website, we'll do a quick five-minute social media tune-up, okay?
2: Awesome. So like a great opportunity.
1: <clears throat> with that, you know
2: what we're gonna cover today? What are we gonna cover today, Johnny?
1: This secret will transform your career.
2: That sounds awesome.
1: I can't wait to hear it.
2: But I'm gonna wait just a little bit longer.
0: Oh because
2: yeah. We have a five-star review we want to share. Oh, I love that, man. Oh, yes. So this one is from Dave516, and uh, he's either a robot or a real listener. Dave516. I think it's a real person. Five-star review. Great, great, great. It says, so thankful for the wisdom nuggets passed on by these guys. Why, thank you. We like dropping nuggets like a clumsy McDonald's. Drive-through worker, <laughs>
1: <laughs> dropping nuggets like a like a five-year-old <laughs> with a twenty-pack. <laughs> <laughs>
2: five-year-old running through a rainy parking lot with a twenty-pack. Yeah, like, you know, I, I used to kill a twenty-pack of McNuggets back in the eighties. I was like proud of it. Oh, you gosh. know when you're a little kid, you're proud of how much you can eat,
1: And you don't realize that they're poison. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, what part of the chicken does a nugget come from? Part. <laughs> <don't
1: know>. Okay,
2: <laughs> but anyway, Dave. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you for Dave. the great, great review. We appreciate it, and I'm just going to have fun with nugget jokes for the rest of the episode. <laughs> all
1: right, so let's get down to this. We've got a lot of stuff to cover here, but listen, this secret will transform your career. And I mean, like, transform your career, if you think about this. <coughs> and I'm going to bring all kinds of data to back it up. You know I will. Data so here's the secret, uh, and this is in any industry, any industry, and especially in the music industry, because uh, that most people – are not aware of this they're not thinking about it like this because it's a completely different mindset than the last 70 years that we've been doing business in the music industry so there's a whole lot of history there's a whole lot of this is the way my father did it my father's father did it my father's father's father and and so it's really hard to change and the artists that can adapt to this and understand this are going to be the artists who are going to win and we want you to win are you ready for the secret
2: i'm ready Let it on me
1: okay it doesn't sound sexy by itself, but as I discuss it, it'll be it'll be sexy. But it, it, listen, when you got a good
2: personality, <laughs> Once
1: you smell it. when creators directly connect with the end users, the whole world literally changes. When creators directly connect with the end users, the whole world changes. So the biggest fundamental flaw of the old and the new music business, because it's still going on today, is that the creators. And or, which is you, guess what? You're the creator, okay? Mm -hmm. Or the owners of the creations, which would be the record labels, Mm -hmm. have no freaking idea who their customers are. You know they have demographics, and you know how many times Brent I've had conversations like with my interns. They're coming in, and I'm like, Spotify doesn't tell you who your customers? Are. No, they do, dude. They have all this stuff. Like, I'm like, no, they tell you where the clicks are coming from, what country. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, maybe you know if it's a man or a woman. But do you know if it's Mary Smith <coughs> uh, and her email address and her phone number? No. Can you can you reach out to her and thank her for downloading, listening, streaming your song? No. no. Okay, then you don't know who your you don't know who it is. You know you know
2: what they're like. Yeah. But you don't know, yeah, you
1: don't know who they are. So, so you don't know who they are exactly, and it also means that you can only reach out to them via mass media like TV and terrestrial radio, which costs millions of dollars, which is mm-hmm. you know cost prohibitive for an independent artist. But you know nobody's listening to the radio, and nobody's really watching music videos on MTV anymore or BET or you know GAC, uh, GAC or CMT, uh, not like they used to. So therefore. The record sales suck, and therefore, there's very few new superstars that are being created. We've talked about that in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. You know, Half the artists at the top 10 grossing tours last year are over 55 years old. These are not new artists. They've been around for 20, 30 years, and that's mm-hmm. why they're making the money. Um, and, the, and, and the market is largely unaware of the new talent like you listening to this podcast – because nobody's listening to the radio and nobody's watching TV. And it's also because the new artists, this is you again, aren't trying to connect with their fans. They <coughs> want to be rock stars like their are heroes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the world would be vastly different for indies, for signed artists, and for labels if they would stop doing what they've always done and, and expecting different results. That's the, you know, the very de- definition of crazy, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something to change. Right. But they're doing it, and it feels like it's changing. Okay, I'm going to get into this in a little bit. It feels like it's changing, but really, it's the same mechanism. It's the same process. It's just wearing a different set of overalls. It's just wearing a different set of pants, right? Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to tell you a crazy story right here. Brent, I got a question for you. For decades and decades and decades, the richest people in Texas were were in what industry exactly? Nuggets. (laughs) <laughs> I told you I was going to say that. You're just waiting to put that in there. <laughs> uh,
2: no, I believe they're in the oil business. That's right. They, they get oil out the ground.
1: Oil business, right? Billionaires, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the richest oil families in Texas are multi-billionaires and have been for quite some time. And then back in the early to mid-90s, a now famous, very famous Texan decided to build a widget. And he mm-hmm. spent the money to hire a team to design the widget, and he spent more money prototyping that widget to work out the kinks and get it functioning properly, and he spent even more money leasing the manufacturing space and hire the manufacturing experts and, and purchasing the equipment and the necessary components to put that widget into mass production. And then he spent another little for- literal fortune promoting that creation to ensure that he was systematically penetrating the minds of the consumer. He got into the minds of the consumer. And Mm -hmm. so he created the product, and he created the demand for the product, right? Mm -hmm. But this future trend-setting Texan did one super important thing different than everybody else before him. For centuries, all the the widget makers in his business, and that is to say all the creators, sold their creations through distribution Mm -hmm. because it was necessary. Like, through a middleman. Through a middleman, right. So if you're Levi's back in the early 1900s, making Levi's jeans, unless you're in the JCPenney's catalog, you're not selling to an Archie. You're yep. not selling to me in Wisconsin. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, unless I can get to the, uh, that was the only way to, to get it out there. But what happens when you sell through distribution, right? You're going to sell your $60 pair of Levi's for 30 bucks to the distributor, and they're going to mark it up. Mm -hmm. So for half price, the distributor mics up the price to the full market value so they can make their profit. But these distributors, they don't create anything. That's how it always worked. If you want to sell anything, clothing makers sold through huge distributors like Macy's, Nordstrom's. Toys were sold through distributors like Kmart, Target, and Toys R Us. Automakers sold through local privately owned dealerships. Electronic parts makers sold their parts to original equipment manufacturers via huge multi-hundred-million-dollar publicly-traded distribution companies. Airline and cruise companies needed local travel agents to distribute their services. Farms and food companies sold their products to brick-and-mortar local grocery store distribution companies like Kroger. But our famous Texan was asking the right questions. Why was it worth selling your product to a distributor for half the market value anymore? What exactly does a distributor bring to the table... I'm going to ask you this, Brent. What, what does mm-hmm. a distributor bring to the table that makes it that's all these years that has made it worth, you know, selling your your product for half price?
2: Nuggets. No, yeah. they they know they can connect to the customer.
1: That's right. They have a relationship. People are walking into their store.
2: That sort of thing. They got shelf space. People are walking into their store, looking around. So if you want your product in front of that customer you got to be on that shelf in that store. That kind of thing.
1: That's that's right. So they have a relationship with a customer, and for some it was a relationship with millions of customers, which made for some very powerful and profitable distributors. They were bringing a lot to the table, right? Mm -hmm. They knew the end users. And back in the day, if your creation wasn't in distribution, you didn't sell anything, period. So it was mission critical. It was the way our fathers did it and our fathers' fathers and their fathers and so on. So that's a super tough nut to crack. Same way in the music industry back in the day. I mean, that was a big thing when the first Poison record came out. Like, they did such a good job marketing that thing, and it caught on such fire, but they weren't selling records in the very beginning because they didn't have the right distribution. People were going to the store to find it, but the record stores didn't have it yet. Ouch. Like, in certain spots, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that, that was a that was a big problem. So, But that habit, the way of understanding the way that business works, is really, really hard to get out of. But our famous Texan here didn't want to sell his $1,000 widget to a distributor for 500 bucks. He felt that if, that if he was the one smart enough to create the widget and courageous enough to take the risk of the designing, the prototyping, the manufacturing, and the marketing of the product, he should get 100% of the money for it. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. Plus, distributors show exactly zero brand love. Macy's doesn't care. They're just as happy to sell a customer Wrangler jeans over Levi's. They don't care what you buy. They just want you to buy Mm-hmm. But there was another way now in, in the mid-90s, a way to bypass the distributor because we had the Internet that was happening, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like you should say that in Dr. Evil's voice, you know, tapping your quotes, the Internet. The Internet. <laughs> <Laser> <laughs> beam. my mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so right. the, the Internet would allow a creator to who formerly had to pay big money to advertise via mass media, and that's like, you know, darts in the dark, if you can mm-hmm. today's alternatives, right? Right. Um, it would allow them to connect and create a relationship with their customer. Now, think about that. That creator could have complete control over their customer's experience. Okay? And that creator could, which you don't have, like, you know, sometimes, I and mean, we've all been into, like, we've seen... Kmart, right, take a dump in the last 15 years. And so sometimes mm-hmm. you walk in, you know, it used to be, when I was a kid, I used to go to Kmart stores and it was like a big deal, you know, like, wow, this is amazing. And now it's like ghetto, it's like falling mm-hmm. apart. It's like, yeah. So that's a bad customer experience, isn't it? Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. the, the, and, and the people who are selling the products in that Kmart store don't have control over the way I feel when I walk into the store, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that customer, and, and, Customer experience, by the way, is the reason. Let's just touch on this for a second. Prior to Starbucks, coffee cost fifty cents or is free at work. <laughs> right. And then Starbucks comes in and starts charging everybody four dollars, but it's all about the experience. You've got the sort of European hangout with Wi Fi mm-hmm. and it's chill and you can have these meetings. And so it was all about the experience that made a fifty cent cup of coffee that you could make a profit on worth four dollars and people were willing to pay for it. Heck, yeah. So this is a really big deal that we need to be aware of, right? But any creator that could sell the product directly to the end user could become profitable faster because they'd have to sell half as many products to make the same amount of money that it would take for distribution, right? So Mm -hmm. if you haven't figured it out yet, our mystery genius is Michael Dell of Austin, Texas. He became the first computer manufacturer to utilize the Internet as a tool to create a direct relationship with the end user, his customer, that he worked so hard and paid so much money to reach.
0: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds.
2: Dude, you're getting a Dell.
1: Right?
2: Do you remember that old commercial? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean his plan worked because look at this. Within seven years, Dell became the richest man in Texas.
2: Okay? Over all those nugget kings. Over all those South nugget kings. Texas.
1: And I looked this up. So so check this out. As of last year, he's not the richest <coughs> man in Texas by a little bit. Okay. Michael mm. Dell, as of last year, according to Forbes magazine, is worth nineteen point one billion dollars. Guy. And the nearest oil family is worth a paltry ghetto $8.9 billion. <laughs> so, so more than twice what the richest oil family, who's been collecting that kind of money for decades, is worth, and he did it in 20 years, right? God bless uh, him. Yeah. His plan really worked. But the story doesn't end there because what happened was is Dell changed the world. For decades – If you had, let's say you owned an electronic component manufacturing company, let's say you made a diode, right? And you wanted to sell that diode to Apple because you wanted to get into their products. Mm -hmm. So you had a $1 diode, but you weren't going to get it into Apple unless you went through the distributor because the distributor had the relationship with your end user, which was the OEM, which is the original equipment manufacturer. That's Apple, right? Okay, yeah. So you got to sell your $1 diode for $0.50. They turn around and mark it up and put it in an Apple. Well, these are, I mean, these are huge, multi-hundred-million-dollar publicly-traded companies that were distributing parts to different original equipment manufacturers, and they were like gatekeepers. You know, you want to get mm-hmm. your stuff in here? you got to talk to me first. I'll talk to Apple. We'll see. But then yeah. with the Internet, okay, what happened was, was they just stopped renewing their contracts, because I'm already in Apple. Apple loves my diode. They don't want to switch diodes, and we don't need the distributor anymore. Why? Because I know who my end user is, and I can get mm-hmm. in direct contact with them, and I can offer them support. I can get feedback from them to change this or do that. I can interact with them directly, and I don't need to go through the distributor. So the distributors became irrelevant. And in it's just f- it's the same thing. If I if I know the artist, I don't need a publisher. Yeah, right. I can and go directly, directly. Isn't that what with happened Blake with Lincoln? you? With uh, yeah, isn't that what happened with you on, on your first biggie?
2: Right. Well, I mean, not like I hang out with Alan, right. but yeah. You know, you, you, you can start going to the producer. That's right. You know, you can get closer. You can skip going, oh, shoot, I can self publish and I can get to those people because of past success.
1: I've figured out who, my, who my, you know, my customer is. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I, that's the, and that's the point. I mean, little by little, and then I'm going to bring this into focus for the music industry and it's going to blow your mind. But I mean, little by little, um, it, over 15 years, the whole electronic parts distribution business. With that one paradigm shift, with that one thing that Michael Dell did differently than anybody else, the whole, I'm talking about a billion-dollar industry imploded in 15 years. It doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Right? Think about what happened with the travel agencies. I mean, some of the people listening to this podcast may be young enough not to ever remember, but there was a time when if you wanted to hop on a plane, you had to go to a travel agent to get a ticket. If you wanted to get on a cruise, you had to call your local travel agent because the airline services and the cruise services didn't know who you were, didn't have a way to connect <coughs> with you, so they needed the the travel agents to take care mm. of the distributorship. Now we still have travel agents for like really, you know, sophisticated travel for tours and stuff like that because you're mm-hmm. trying to move 100 people around at the same time and that gets to be bananas, but um you know, the I, I haven't I I've I haven't used in 20 years, I haven't used a, a travel agent. I just get yeah. online. I book my ticket on Southwest or JetBlue or whatever. I do it my damn self. And I yeah. get it. So, they all of a sudden, that whole... There's a million people, and every faded map dot in the United States just didn't have a job anymore. Because yeah. the creator of the service, the airline and the mm-hmm. cruise company, could get in direct contact with the person who's going to pay the money to use it.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: this is this is a big deal because um, you know the the um, because they be, when you notice how quickly by, by the way, another side shot of this was in, during that mm-hmm. time that Dell was blowing up that's when have you ever been to one of those um what do they call them they call them uh, outlet malls, right where yeah. they have like the big brand names like Tommy Bahama and DKNY and gas. <coughs> And figure yeah. and they have like this huge malls, but they're all brick and mortar buildings where the, all they're selling in there is their own product. There's no distribution,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: like each one of those companies really couldn't generate enough traffic by themselves to set up their own store, like in say Middle America, right? They can't. Right. They can do it in New York and L.A., but not not necessarily in, in Middle America. But if they all clustered together in a beehive of brand names. It could happen, and they started to do that because they realized, hey, I can, get, I can be Levi's I can sell in this mall that's all these other brands, and I get 100 percent, yeah, of the money for the jeans. So companies that didn't adapt here, like Kmart and Sears, fell into crippling debt because they mm-hmm. couldn't, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't change. How about the auto industry? I bet you didn't know this, but General Motors is purchased back, and I think this happened like 10 or 15 years ago. But they purchased back something like 65% of the privately owned dealerships. So, General Motors owns most of the dealerships that you buy mm-hmm. your GM car off of because the consumers were only coming on the car lot at this point to test drive the vehicle that they wanted to purchase. They mm-hmm. didn't need the salesman for knowledge and shockingly, there was a bunch of consumers who were literally more educated on the product and the options that they could get on on, on their truck than the salesman because... They could go right online to GM, get that mm-hmm. truck, find out exactly what they wanted, know what the price was, go in and just test drive it and sign the paperwork. That's all they needed them for. I mean, wow. Yeah. Mind blown, right? So this, all this happened as a result because one really smart guy paved the way, adapted to a changing environment, and was asking the right questions. Why do I need a distributor when I can be doing this myself? And even though he didn't have all the answers yet, he was asking the right questions. So, here's, we're going to bring this around to the music industry now. Yes. What does Spotify, Pandora, and iTunes have that the labels, signed artists, and you, the indie artists, don't have? Oh, they got all the nuggets. The Nuggets. It's always the Nuggets. <laughs> no, they got the uh, they got the customers. They got the relationship with the customer. They know who your customers are.
2: Because I, I sign up for my account, I give them my name, I give them my email address. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe you give them credit card number.
1: That's that's right. And so they got all that. Okay, uh-huh. but are they sharing that with the record labels? No. Are they sharing that with the signed artists? No. Are they sharing that with you? No. no. So the second that they do, they become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You see? So the labels aren't adapting because distribution is always how they done it. And it's a habit. So they went from you know distributing through brick and mortar places like Music Land and Tower Records into mm-hmm. Distributing through iTunes and then ultimately into Spotify, and they're just so used to not knowing who the customers are that mm-hmm. it, this is just another transformation of that, right? That's yeah. that's, that's so. This is another amalgam. It's, a, it's wearing. That's what I mean. It's wearing different pants, it's got a different set of overalls on, but it's the same ugly beast. It's a mm-hmm. distributor who's not letting you know who the customer is.
2: It's just a digital one.
1: Yeah, and the and the uh, it, I mean labels have always used distribution. So just like the computer companies back in the late '90s, I mean by the way, you know, uh, Compaq and Sony and uh, you know all these computer companies would put their products in CompUSA and mm-hmm. and and uh, Best Buy or Best Buy and whatever. Stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean you know the, the, aside from Best Buy, which sold other stuff, the computers, those other distribution mm-hmm. companies for computers they just disappeared. CompUSA is done. Yeah. So all because of Michael Dell so (laughs) distributors have tons of information on these customers that would help artists and labels make more money but they won't share that information with labels and artists and they won't share it again because they'll become irrelevant so just wonder just think about how the world would change and what kind of power you could have if you could build up a list a list of people Hmm. that like your music and prove that you can sell to them Oh, Game changer.
2: Oh, on so many levels.
1: It, the labels did that.
2: It's so much cheaper to reach them. Oh my gosh, free. Right? You get that list. <laughs> you don't have to buy a Super Bowl ad for a billion dollars just to hope they're watching and didn't run to the bathroom, whoever these people might be. Yep. You just email them.
1: Send them a text.
2: That's not expensive.
1: No. And, you know, on that note, let's talk about the airlines for a second. If you think about it, and I'm generalizing, but for the most part, you really only see commercials on TV for airlines that are kind of trying to be up-and-coming airlines that are trying to grab market share. But the biggies like American, like Delta, United, do you ever see a commercial for them? Hardly at all. You know why? Because they got your email address, man, and your frequent flyer number. <laughs> yeah. You're in the system. It's called permission marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in the system, and they reach you for free. And and when yeah. you're thinking about an email, when you're thinking about taking a trip, they're bing that that one email you miss. You miss most of the emails they sent you. You don't ever bother reading them. But when you're thinking about a trip, that's when you click on it. But a boom, mm-hmm. bada bang, you're good to go. Or
2: you go through like TripAdvisor or something, which is an aggregator, and you, then you see Delta and Southwest and American.
1: Yep, and all yeah, owned in- by the same company, by the way. All those different places owned by the same one. <laughs> All different kinds of brand names of the aggregators, but there's one, there's one company pulling the strings. So, mm. so this is it. it the, the future of music, I'm just telling you how it's good, because it's already played out in the electronics industry, and eventually it's going to play out in the music industry. Like if, if Taylor Swift had 98 million email addresses along with her 98 million Twitter followers, the power that she would have would be astounding. I mean you all hear stories about how when Kim Kardashian tweets she can make five hundred thousand bucks if she mentions your product, right? Mm -hmm. That's on that's on Twitter, where she's got such, you know, millions and millions of followers on Twitter and only a select few are gonna see that. Right? Right. But imagine if she had all those email addresses (coughs) Oh. You got an email from Kim Kardashian. The open rate's way better. Like, you know, yeah. you, you don't have like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram saying, well, you know, if you want to get to these five million people, you're going to need to pay us this amount of money to do it. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: And only so many people are going to see it. We're going to squash the feed and yeah. most, we're going to show it to most people anyway. And you're not, And you can't pick and choose who we show it to and who we don't.
1: Yep. And you don't know who's buying and who's not. You know, like you can't segment that list out like it's
2: I'm I'm thinking of this. There's an artist that for a while I was a really big fan of Uh, still got much respect for him, but I just hadn't bought one of his records in a long time. guy out of North Carolina, kind of a folk pop guy named David Wilcox. Okay, some great songs, brilliant songwriter, really dug his stuff for a while. I haven't bought a record of his in years now. I think he's still doing records. But I haven't even – he's not top of mind anymore. Things have gotten busy. I've gone on to other places. I'm sure he still has some songs that would slay me. I don't even know when he has a new record coming out. If David Wilcox had my email address, I would know what he's up to. Yep. And I'd probably spend some money on him. I bought several of his records through distributors. So he doesn't know I exist. That's right. Although I've been to a couple shows. And talked about, hey, I want to go to Nashville. What do you think about that? Anyway, so he doesn't know I exist. He can't market to me. He's an indie guy. He didn't have a budget to do a Super Bowl ad and tell me he's got a new single out or a new record. Right. And so I'm missing out on music I'd probably like. Yep. Another thing I'm thinking. Okay, you're talking about we get to control the experience the customer has in our in our store, but we don't get to control the experience they have in someone else's store. You, you walk in. You talk about the Kmart feel shady. Uh, OK, I don't know if I want to walk to the back to get my pair of jeans here or whatever. Think about iTunes. You go onto to iTunes looking for, you know, whoever song you want to find the new. I don't know, Florida Georgia Line song or some new cool indie artist. Yeah, I want to go find David Wilcox. I don't see what he's up to. I turn, up, I open up my iTunes. What do they start showing me? Other people's music. Yep. I got to go search for who I want to find, unless it's the hot new thing that's trending and they pop it up on the above the fold and put it in my face.
1: Yep. So I got to weed
2: through all the competition to get to the thing I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. And when you're an indie artist. You're not the competition. <laughs> you're not going to be, a, you know, the big splash at the
2: beginning. You're probably not yeah. going to be the one that's trending. And so, because and I guess what you're getting at is like, if I have my own store, they don't have they don't have to weed through other people to get to my music. That's right. My music, all they're finding.
0: That's now right. the thing
2: about I, you know, iTunes is people are going there, and they may just stumble upon me, maybe. Yeah, probably not. Not.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. But nah. My own store they're not, I'm not going to get, they're not going to get distracted by, oh my goodness, ACDC has a,
1: whatever, remastered version of something, I'll buy that instead. What did I come in here for? There you go, I got, I had $3 I was going to spend, and I just, was going to go to you and then I went over here and said I mean, I yeah. never send people to my artists uh you know, for my artists, I don't send them to the they have a presence on all the digi- digital distributors, but I never send them there on purpose. I send them to their store. And we have better yeah. deals on their store and cooler things that they can get with bundles so they can be upsold, but um we don't have um we, we just don't send them there on purpose for that reason, you know? And, and th- this, this is a game changer when you really get your head around this and you really start thinking like this because then you're all about building an audience. You're all about direct, you know, connecting with them directly. This is, you know, I know a couple of artists who've got 20, 30 million streams on Spotify. Still can't put anybody in a coffee house to fill up a mm-hmm. coffee house because they don't know who did it. Yeah. you know and so I mean you got to be there right now we're not telling you not to be there but we're telling you you need to start thinking about it differently you need to start mm. because the artist that has a big big list is the artist that's going to have more power than a guy with 50 million streams mm. you
2: know you want to be you want to be Adele but you got to think like uh, Adele
1: no but not there you go, Michael Dell. There you go. All right, guys. Well, listen. That brings us to the end of another killer episode of the climb. Uh, once again, please leave a rating and review. It makes this more legit for the new people that are just kind of getting used to us. Number two, keep keep sharing. The numbers keep climbing. We're super thrilled about that, and uh, it, means, it just means people are, are digging it. So it makes you look cool, and uh, when we get to more people, we're, we're helping people out. So with that, guys, we want you to win. Keep on climbing.
2: And we'll see you at the
1: top. Yikes.